This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's that time again. Fire up the foghorns and ring the siren. Another emergency episode here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. I am your host, joined by National Recruiting Editor Brandon Huffman. And we are here to discuss the big news that just dropped This is an emergency after all. Jimmy Lake is out at Washington. Brandon, immediate thought about what this means for the Huskies and from a recruiting standpoint, what this could mean for Washington. Well, I think it puts an exclamation point on some pretty squandered years. And what I mean by that is that Washington had probably between the 2020 and 2022 classes as good of a top end group as the state has produced in a three-year span ever. And the overarching theme here will be that Ryan Day had more success in the city of Seattle and the surrounding areas than Jimmy Lake did. So I think the squandered opportunities of taking what Chris Peterson handed over to him to the next level have been completely wasted. And you look at it from a standpoint of, is Washington going to ever produce this kind of top-end talent? And can whoever the new head coach is salvage things in the future if it does. But it brings to an end a era that pretty much everybody who thought when Chris Peterson stepped down, Jimmy Lake was the right hire for the job and everything that could go wrong essentially did go wrong for him. And arguably their best recruiter over the last five to seven years went from being a very good recruiter as an assistant coach to a very average recruiter as a head coach. And on, that doesn't even take into account the on-field performance. And now you see why after 13 games as the head coach, Jimmy Lake is out in Seattle. Yeah, less than two seasons for Jimmy Lake. And I, w- I want to go back to something you said, and the word was wasteful, because Washington and what he inherited there was a really pristine model, right? What Chris Peterson was able to build in his short time there after arriving from Boise State, we kind of knew what to expect from Washington on the recruiting trail. And I think Jimmy Lake, for, for some reason, I think he lost sight of the overarching part, which is just to infuse that program with talent, which is what Chris Peterson was doing. Now, I think where he went wrong specifically was implementing some of those things that you can only do if you're a Chris Peterson, right? The the approach, yeah. the the way to recruit prospects. Uh, I think he was recruiting them and offering pretty late in, in regards to what other schools are doing, but also not allowing recruits to take other visits if they're committed to that school. Uh, also not allowing kind of really those relationships to flourish because if you're committed to another school, they're not really going to push for you as much. So there was a lot of outdated, I I think, methodology there in in terms of what Washington was doing and what other schools, the Ohio States, the Georgias, the USC's, the Oregon's, those programs that are trying to fight for the same recruits. I think that's where he went wrong. I think you you look at it 
from that standpoint and you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. And I also think he didn't do himself any favors with kind of how he handled things from a PR standpoint. I mean, it, it was bad enough. Uh, I mean, we, and that's not even taking into account what happened on the sideline last week in the game that, you know, essentially that was the trigger point for the firing. But you go back to the spring of 2020 when before the pandemic, I guess even before that, the, the spring, they had a junior day in the end of January where they had a Mecca book on campus, JT Twimolo on campus, Julian Simon on campus, and a number of other guys. And Jimmy Lake said all the right things to the basketball crowd, but there always seemed to be something off. I don't know what it was. And then the pandemic hits and Washington couldn't salvage anything because they didn't have a bigger junior day. They hadn't really had guys come to campus and they should have been using January like crazy to get underclassmen on campus. Not just that one day that they brought them because there was a basketball game and it was kind of a hurried photo shoot, kind of a hurried junior day. Meanwhile, Cal, the weekend of the Super Bowl before the pandemic hits with that February, first time they ever had a February dead period, Cal brings in 60 kids from all over California and ends up with a lot of those guys to come. So Washington looked like they had the momentum and then everything just fell apart and there was no backup plan in place to handle a pandemic. Now, granted, there were some schools in the Pac-12, but clearly we're getting around the rules if reports are to be believed that came out over the summer in terms of getting recruits on campus during the pandemic. But it just seemed like starting right around the pandemic, everything came to a halt momentum-wise for Washington. Then the season happens and they go three and one, they win the division, but they can't play in the Pac-12 championship game. But then over the span of a couple of weeks, it looks like, hey, maybe they're going to get a Metcalf boot. They don't get a Metcalf boot, but he goes to Ohio State. Then official visits open back up. They get JT Tuimolo to take the first official visit. Not anybody outside of the Husky fan base thought JT was ever going to Washington, but there was starting to be belief, hey, they're going to pull off the stunner. And he ends up going to Ohio State. At the same time, Josh Connerly starts to see a gap grow between Michigan and Washington. A Seattle kid to the core, he stayed loyal to Rainier Beach. And so you have all these things that were happening in recruiting. Then you have you, you go back to last season where Jimmy Lake wears the hat and says, run the damn ball. All while trying to put out this offense that even last fall didn't look great when you have an elite passing quarterback committed and you know just about ready to sign, you wear a hat that says run the damn ball. Then you have this season, then you have the comments he made at the beginning of the Oregon week, and it was just like one misplay after another happened, and this is how he got here. And I think the – I don't want to use the word arrogance. I, I think, you know – you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think that sums, I think arrogance yeah. sums it up pretty well because, like I said earlier, a, a Chris Peterson can do some of the things that Jimmy Lake mm-hmm. was a trying to do on the recruiting trail and send out some of those messages that he was trying to send out, whether that was through the media or, like you said, uh, with that hat that he was wearing. Uh, but, but there is, uh, I guess, a bit of arrogance there that essentially doomed him. And I think that that's really, if you ask people close to the program and you ask recruits, I mean, I remember something that an in-state recruit told me, I won't say which one it was, but it was an in-state in the, in the last couple of years said, with other schools recruiting you, they make you feel like you're a priority to them, that they want you at their school. With Washington, the new coaching staff makes it look like they're the priority, not you. And they're doing you a favor by recruiting you to their school. And I always thought that was kind of an indicted thing because it goes back to what you said. Chris Peterson can make you feel like that, but Chris Peterson never made anybody feel like that. He emphasized the built for life, the OKG, all of those things. 
And again, maybe Jimmy Lake was a victim of the pandemic and he never really got the opportunity last spring, last summer to get guys on campus and to build that relationship where he went from a coach. But on the flip side, I don't know if Washington fans should be super su- surprised that some of the things he said ended up being bad. They loved it when he was saying essentially the same things about air raid and Mike Leach whenever the Apple Cup was coming up. But when he became the head coach and kind of the same things, you start to see a little bit of a revisionist history. Well, you know, he, we don't like what he said. Man, you guys are making those the, – the, the signatures on message board posts, the, the lead photo on tweets – and but it's different when you're the head coach, you got to be measured in what you say, and you can't say things that are going to turn you off, especially when you've got pretty inexperienced time as the head coach in very limited time. Even Nick Saban doesn't say some of the stuff. I mean, then you have some guys that are the crazy uncles, like Lane Kiffin, who says the stuff, but it's almost always tongue in cheek, and he knows it's going to get people talking about his program. Jimmy Lake never seemed to really get that. If you're gonna, you know, take shots at anybody, take them at yourself because people will buy in a little bit more if you, you have you know a little more self-awareness and i just don't think that that ever really came to the forefront and you know now they're in the position where they're at and there's a very good chance that they could end up losing once again the top two players in the state and both to the midwest much like they did a year ago yeah and let's not forget there's been an exodus of sorts uh, with a lot of players going into the transfer portal highly rated prospects four stars players that should have been making an impact on the field and and you know interestingly enough it seemed like jimmy lake was also one of the only coaches in the country that was blocking transfers uh in a time when we we're basically in free agency in college football so that's another you know kind of maybe misstep or miscalculation on, on his behalf right now outside the top 50 for the washington huskies as we enter that final stretch before the early signing period, number eight among Pac-12 schools with only 10 commitments. What needs to change, Brandon? What And what kind of coach do you feel like they need from a recruiting standpoint to get this thing going in the right direction again? Well, you always go opposite of your predecessor, right? Nebraska went from Bo Pelini, the fiery Bo Pelini, to the nicest guy in the history of football with Mike Riley. You know, we, we looked at and we've seen, you know, previous hires you go from Maybe a stern coach to a player's coach. You go from a player's coach to a stern coach. What I think Washington needs to have is somebody who doesn't, and, you know, he's had an average coaching career, no matter what stop he's been at, Washington, USC, or Texas. But one thing you never, ever had to accuse Steve Sarkeesian of was being a lazy recruiter. Now, I'm not using this as a pitch to get Steve Sarkeesian, but Steve Sarkeesian was able to come into Washington after the Tyrone Willingham debacle of 0-12 in 2008, and within two, three years, was pulling in some really good classes. And obviously, Chris Peterson, his very first class at Washington, when Steve Sarkeesian left for the USC, he was able to flip Buda Baker, who was headed to Oregon, get in with Caleb McGarry. So that's a first rounder and a second rounder that were both local prospects. They were able to go down into Orange County, where they were really the only schools, the only coaches that were recruiting Dante Pettis when he was at, at J. Sarah and look like he might end up at Boise State like his uncle did. They got Jake Browning a year later. They went down into Oregon and got Elijah Molden, who was an Oregon legacy who had been admitted into Stanford, you got to find somebody who can go in and can recruit against the big boys, whether it's those quote unquote academically prowess schools that Washington plans do. But most importantly, you've got to be able to out-recruit Oregon because right now Oregon is out-recruiting everybody in the Pac-12 and much of the country. And so, A, whoever it is needs to absolutely recognize and understand Oregon is a recruiting rival. Otherwise, 
there wouldn't have been such heartbreak and disdain when Maliki Marovao or Troy Franklin signed with the, with the, with the Ducks last year or when Sir Mills or, uh, you know, Ben Roberts flipped from Washington to Oregon. They need to understand that, and they're going to recruit a similar talent pool. It's going to be Northwest kids that they're going to recruit. They got to recruit in Southern California, but it's got to be somebody who also hires assistant coaches that are going to have that same kind of recruiting effort in their respective regions, in their respective position room. You've got to have personnel guys in the office that are laying the groundwork, and that way you're not losing steam with the in-state kids. If anything, people need to understand that it's going to be that much tougher. And this is the other thing that I don't think you know people really fully understand. Washington, the state of, not the university of, was one of the last states really in the Pac-12 footprint where the local kids left. I mean, Southern California has been losing kids for years. SC and UCLA, two other Pac-12 schools. The Bay Area has been losing kids for years to other schools. Arizona, Utah. I mean, shoot, Oregon has signed more top players in Utah and in Arizona than the in-state schools have signed the last few years. The state of Oregon doesn't always produce a lot of talent. So when they do, the Oregon tries to keep them, but even then they lose guys like Atalanoa Hufunga. Um, so I think with Washington, they were so used to keeping those in-state kids. And then those in-state kids saw a reason to leave. Whoever gets hired needs to understand the importance of if you're going to have the best talent pool your state's had in some time, you absolutely cannot lose those guys. So it's going to be somebody who understands the Northwest footprint, who understands the Western and Pac-12 footprint, but somebody also who's going to create buzz. It's going to be somebody who's going to, I mean, you look at what Mario Cristobal has done to create buzz for Oregon over the last few years. Look at Saturday Night Live, Blair. I mean, every year we look at that, that they have it, and it's one of the best camps. And you, you and I have been doing this long enough to remember the Rising Stars camps that USC used to do back in the day. Before the opening, that was the best camp on the West Coast. Well, now Saturday Night Live is becoming kind of that version of the Rising Stars camps, where it's the, the best collection of talent. But you go look at Oregon spring game. There's unofficial visitors coming in from all over the country for that spring game. Mario Cristobal is playing his younger guys. Washington has a legacy of five-star quarterback who's clearly an elite special talent, and they're getting design series, and then they're trying to preserve his Richard. Look, if Sam Heward's as good as everybody who thinks he is, and we all think he's good, dude's not going to be there in 2025. So why in the hell are we preserving a red shirt for a guy that if he's as good as it's expected to be, will not be there in 2024, let alone 2025. He might be good enough to leave after 2023. So you've got to create buzz. You've got to play your gun guys. So that way when an Oregon has a loaded receiver room, they have a lot of returners. They're still seeing Troy Franklin get on the field. They're still seeing the young guys. They're seeing Keith Brown start at Ohio state in his second game. You've got to be willing to play the young guys and get them because that sells in recruiting. Yeah, there's got to be a balance. You can say all you want about building from within with our kind of guys, the OKGs that you referenced earlier, built for life program, recruiting the high academic and, and those prowess prospects, right? But there's also a sense that we're nearly in 2022 and you have to adapt to the times and keep up with the other schools that are doing that extra work to make sure that they're keeping uh, some of the top prospects in, in the region. So Washington right now, like I mentioned earlier, number eight among Pac-12 schools outside the top 50 nationally in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings for this 2022 class. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. We're, we're excited to follow this saga and, and kind of get some of the recruit reaction uh, in the coming weeks and obviously to see what happens in Seattle and the recruiting implications that that could have for the Huskies. I think it's going to be a very fascinating ride and 
you know what, Blair, with the way things are going in the Pac-12, I wouldn't be surprised if you and I have a couple more emergency podcasts if things continue to transpire as they potentially could. I like it. Breaking out the crystal ball, Brandon Huffman, as he always does, national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. So on behalf of Brandon and our producer, Lance Glenn, I am Blair Angulo. Thanks for listening to this emergency episode of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast as Jimmy Lake is out at Washington. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.